Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Nehemiah on leadership, uh, but the greatest book on leadership that I have found is the Word of God. Amen. And Nehemiah walks through some great steps of leadership um, here in the book of Nehemiah. But I, I want to deal with chapter number four, a few verses out of here tonight. Um, here a few weeks ago, Leslie and I went and heard Brother John White preach, um, pastors Freedom Baptist Church over in Rule Hall, and um, great, great preacher man. I, I love Brother John, great friend, and um, he said some things here out of chapter number four and even um, some of these things that I'm going to say tonight and man it just really uh, um, spurred a thought in my mind and uh, of course I'm going to add some things to it also but um, um, you say well preacher will you really uh, take something somebody else said while they was preaching and use it you know what my daddy said one time he said a man's a fool not to take another man's stick and beat the devil with it amen and uh, absolutely I'll say some of it amen and the Bible says this there's nothing new underneath the sun you ever heard a preacher get up and say I'm going to preach nothing to something tonight you've never heard before well the Bible said there's nothing new underneath the sun amen and I want to give you a few verses here tonight and uh, I want to talk to you about overcoming discouragement or a cure for discouragement I believe that we can find it here in the word of God tonight let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's holy word Nehemiah chapter number 4 I want to pick up reading in verse number 1 but it came to pass that when Sambalit heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of, excuse me, in the land of the captivity. Note with me verse number 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God, and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the barriers of, of, of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. Now, Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Father, thank you for a wonderful day. Thank you for the rain outside. Father, thank you for helping us in the home-going service of Miss Eva today. God, thank you, Lord, for a good crowd tonight. Father, thank you for Discovery Bible Club tonight and the good crowd that they have out there. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd be with us now as we look into your word. I pray, God, that you would bring back to our mind and our remembrance the things that we've studied, God. And Father, may we learn 
learn from you tonight, and we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to talk to you about overcoming discouragement tonight or a cure for discouragement tonight. I believe that we can all agree that discouragement is something that each and every one of us face. If not on a daily basis, we do face it probably on a weekly or a bi-weekly basis. There's times that the devil tries his best to discourage us. I think personally probably the two greatest tools that the devil has today is the tool of discouragement and the tool of distraction. The devil will distract your mind and get it off of what you're supposed to be doing for God and in doing that you'll find yourself discouraged. I don't know if you know this or not, but I would say that you probably do. Not everybody is excited because you're serving Jesus. Not everybody is excited because you're faithful to the house of God. I remember whenever I got saved at especially after I got my life right with God and, and, and started preaching and really wholeheartedly uh, give my life to Christ and tried to serve him. I remember some people said, well, you know what? Uh, um, you're going to lose a lot of friends uh, because of that. Can I say something? I never lost any friends uh, because they wasn't my friends to begin with. Can I get an amen right there? If they won't support you going to the house of God, uh, they won't support you in the service of God, they was never your friend to begin with. And uh, man, not everybody gets excited uh, because you're serving the Lord. Can I say something to you? Not only everybody in the world, but sometimes there's people uh, that are so-called Christians uh, that are not excited because you're serving the Lord. Um, and, I, and, and, and because of that... We we began to face discouragement in our life. The devil would tell us it's not worth going to the house of God. Uh, you know what? There's a lot of people that should be here tonight, but they're not here uh, because they allowed the devil to discourage them uh, on a rainy wet Wednesday afternoon uh, from going to the house of God. You say, well, preacher, why do I need to go to the house of God? Because the house of God will help your discouragement. Amen. There's never been a time that I went to the house of God asking God to give me something that God didn't give me something, amen? And discouragement is something we face. When we read here in Nehemiah chapter number 4 and, and um, uh, just very, very quickly, if we go back to chapter number 1, Nehemiah's the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah's living a great life, uh, but the walls of Jerusalem are torn down uh, and Nehemiah now has the task laid before him uh, of rebuilding the these great walls of Jerusalem, some 12 foot high, 9 foot thick, was the wall that surrounded Jerusalem. So the task that was before him was not a little task. It was a great big task. Nehemiah begins praying about that. Nehemiah challenges the people to come together and help him build up the wall. And we find in chapter number 3 that great cooperation because the people had a mind to work and they began this great task, but in chapter number four, man, discouragement comes their way. Note this just real quickly by way of introduction. Discouragement comes from outside 
of the people that was helping him to begin with. Who did it come from? It come from Samballot and Gershon and Tobiah. They come up and they say, you know what? One of them said this. Said this wall that they are building back, if a fox runs across that wall, it'll fall down. You know what he was doing? He was making fun of the work of God. There's those outside that will discourage you from doing the work of God. But can I note something else with you tonight? Look in verse number 10. And Judah said, and Judah said, the strength of the barriers of burdens is decayed and there's much rubbish. Now watch this. So that we are not able to build the wall. Not only did they face discouragement from outside, they faced discouragement from inside. Judah was part of them. This wasn't somebody on the outside. Can I say it this way? This was somebody inside the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. The walls of Jerusalem's torn down. What are they doing? They're trying to build it back. And you know what? Somebody within their four walls rises up and says, man, we can't do this. You know what that ends up causing? That causes discouragement. That causes discouragement. Um, you know what? Sometimes uh, I, I've had I, I've had uh, people come to me and say, "Preacher, I, 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 the Lord's put on my heart to do this, or the Lord's put on my heart to do that." And really, in the backside of my mind, I was thinking, "I don't think they'll ever do that." Now, don't sit there and look at me like that, because you've been the same way before. I, I'll give you an illustration. When Brother Dakota started talking to me about getting married, <laughs> I said, "I don't think he'll ever do that." And then he got married, and then he said, Preacher, I believe the Lord wants us to go with Rock of Ages. And I was saying, Man, uh, Brother Dakota, I, I just don't know that he'll ever do that. But you know what? I didn't say now, Dakota, son, you'll never do that. I said, you better pray a whole lot and move real slow. And I said, if God wants you to have a wife, you'll have a wife. And if God wants you to be with Rock of Ages, you'll be with Rock of Ages. And now look where he's at. He, he paid her a lot of money and got her to marry him. And, and uh, she's going, I've never seen any of that money. And now God's put him with rock of ages. You know what I could have done? I could have said, no, man, you're not going to do that. There's no way you'll ever accomplish that. There's no way that you'll ever raise support in the middle of a pandemic. There's no way you can do this or do that. But you know what he said? He said, preacher, this is what the Lord wants us to do. So you know what I said? Well, let's build the wall back together. It's not our place to discourage it is our place to encourage. Now, I shared some concerns I had, did I not, Brother Dakota? We sat down together and we shared concerns with each other. That's only being a good pastor. Somebody give me a witness right there. Um, uh, I, believe, I believe God gives the man of God some insight on things. And I shared some concerns, but I said, son, at the end of the day, you're going to give an account to God for the decisions that you make. Discouragement will not only come from outside there's times that it will come from inside. You know what? You'll find yourself just being discouraged. You'll find yourself... Uh, discouragement leads to despondency. Can I just say that to you tonight? You said, preacher, what are you saying? If you don't get control of your discouragement, it won't be long. You'll be out. You'll be out of church. You'll be out of fellowship. You'll be out of the Word of God. You'll be out of your prayer life. Why? Because of discouragement. 
If every one of us was honest tonight, every one of us sometime along the way, if we've been saved any length of time at all, we have faced discouragement. We have faced discouragement. I want to show you two or three things tonight and, and, and how Nehemiah dealt with this discouragement. How did Nehemiah overcome this? We know the story in chapter number 5 and chapter number 6. They end up finishing the wall. And in chapter number 6, verse 15, so the wall was finished in the 20th and 5th day in the month of Elu. In 50 and 2 days, 52 days, they built this great big wall back. How did they do it? They overcame discouragement. Well, preacher, I'm facing discouragement. How can I overcome it? Let me show you three things and we'll go home. Number one, request God's help. Boy, that's deep, isn't it? I mean, you're going to have to have a Hebrew and Greek lexicon to understand that. You know what you do? God, I need you. I listen to what Nehemiah said, verse number four. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Listen to what he said in verse number 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. When people talk about or when people talk against you, then talk to God about it. They came up against him. They rose up against him. And you know what Nehemiah said? Lord, I need you right now. God, I've got to have your help right now. You know what? A lot of times in our life, we try to figure everything out. We try to fix everything on our own when there is some things that we absolutely cannot fix. There is some things that's absolutely out of our control. And there's some things that we absolutely, there's just no way around it. We can't fix it. And you know what we have to learn to do in our life? We have to learn to go to God in prayer and seek the help of God on those matters. I remember, and I've given this illustration and time's going to pass, but I remember years ago, uh, years ago, years ago, I hadn't been here long. Uh, I'll tell you how long ago it's been. Brother Josh Jenkins had just started preaching. And uh, I was preaching uh, um, at Calvary Baptist Church uh, in Bakersville, North Carolina. If you've never been to Bakersville, North Carolina, you need to go one time, but I promise you if you bat your eyes, you'll miss it. It's in between Spruce Pine and Burnsville, and there's this little place stuck back in the mountain called Bakersville, North Carolina. I'll never forget we started up there, and I told Brother Josh on the way up there, I said, man, I've got a special prayer request. I said, I've got something that's really bothering me, that's beating me down, and I need God to help me while we're gone. And I said, matter of fact, tomorrow I've already asked the preacher if he'll unlock the church and just let us go over there and pray a while. And uh, Brother Josh said, well, preacher, I'll help you pray about it. And I just told him, Brother Josh is still coming to church here. I said, I can't share with you what it is, but God knows the need of it. And I said, Brother Josh, if God don't do something, I'm going to have to deal with something, uh, and I'm afraid it's going to cause even more problems in our church, but I've got to deal with it. And he said, well, I'm going to help you pray about it, that God just gives us an answer while we're up here. And I said, man, that sounds good. We went to church that night, and uh, I didn't preach that night. I was 
preaching. The next night, we went back and stayed stayed in a little old motel in Spruce Pine, man. Um, it's one of the most shadiest places I've ever stayed in my life. But anyway, stayed in this little motel in Spruce Pine. We got up the next morning. We prayed there in the motel a little while together, met the preacher and eat lunch, and then me and the preacher uh, and a few other men went back to the church uh, and was praying at that church. I'll never forget about 30 or 45 minutes into that prayer meeting. Uh, I just got up and walked to the very back of the church uh, and uh, there was a couple pews that kindly dug back. It was like a little wing dug back in the back of that old church. And I got back there on that back pew and just laid down uh, in the floor back there underneath that pew. Boy, I was praying and I told God, I've got to have your help. Uh, I've got to have, Lord, you've got to give me some discernment on this. Uh, and God, just like he sat down beside of me, God said, it's took care of, don't worry about it. And I said, one of the very few times I've ever done this, but I said, okay, Lord, usually I still try to fix it. Come on now, somebody help me. I said, okay, Lord. Well, I just started praising him for taking care of it. You say, well, what happened? I came back to the church. It fixed itself. I never talked to anybody else about it. I never had to confront the situation. God fixed every bit of it. You said, preacher, what are you saying? When discouragement comes our way, we can step up and try to handle things on our own, or we can do as Nehemiah. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your help. And you know what? Every time he said, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I said, preacher, what do I do in times of discouragement? I would say this to you. We must, we must request God's help. We cannot live life without him. Okay, let me say that again. I got one amen. We cannot live life without him. We've got to have the help of the Lord. If Nehemiah hadn't have had God's help right here, let me tell you what he would have done. He would have thrown in the towel. He would have quit. The walls of Jerusalem wouldn't have got built. And, and the rest of this story we wouldn't have. So preacher, when I'm discouraged, what do I do? Number one, you request help for God. Number two, when I'm discouraged, what do I do? Reorganize your priorities. Reorganize your priorities. Watch this in verse number 13. The Bible said, Therefore said I, and there's a lot of things that goes on in 9, 10, 11, and 12. I'm just skipping through this for the sake of time. He said, therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people after their families with a sword, their spears, and their bows. You know what he done? He reorganized his priorities. In other words, he put the right people in the right place to take care of what needed to be taken care of. In our life... Uh, in our life, there will be times that our priorities get out of line. Our priorities get out of line. I, I'm, I, I'm a, I hope he don't get mad at me. If he does, he'll talk to me after service and we'll work it out. Um, today we fed the family after the home going service of Miss Eva. And afterwards, me and Brother Matt was talking. 
And um, we was talking about different things. We was talking about um, um, a faucet that's messed up on the back of the fellowship hall. We was talking about the, the pastor-wife appreciation get-together. And, and um, um, uh, somehow or another, golf came up. And uh, I can't tell you the last time I played golf, but golf came up. And Brother Matt has decided, I mean, he's headed to the PGA. Brother Kevin, he is following your footsteps, man. He is going to be the next Kevin Atkins. But anyway, Brother Matt has taken up playing golf. And um, uh, you say, do you play every once in a while? Um, I can't tell you the last time I did. Matter of fact, I called Brother Brian Gardwell, and we was talking, and I said, when was the last time I played golf with you? And he said, man, I can't tell you. And I said, well, that was the last time I played golf. Um, it goes back when I played, I, me and him played together. If I was playing golf, we was together. But anyway, um, uh, you said, why would you quit playing? Because it, it, it drove me to smoking and cussing. But anyway, no, I'm just speaking. <laughs> Golf is a mind game. That's what it is. And and my mind has enough problems without me playing golf, okay? Um, Anyway, uh, Brother Matt said, here's what he said. He said, man, he said, I've gotten to where I like it so good, I have to be careful. You know what he was saying? I've got to keep my priorities right. He said, if I'm not careful, it will overtake my priorities. Now, I'm going to tell you something. In the service of God, you have to keep your priorities right. You have to keep your priorities right. What did he do? He reorganized. He set the right people in the right places to get the job done. People will come up against you. People even within your circle will try to take you down. But when they do that, that don't mean that you stop They tried their best to stop Nehemiah. They tried their best to stop the work of God. But you know what he done? He backed up, he punted, and got his organization together and went back at it. What is your priorities tonight? Well, can I give you, I'll give you my top three priorities tonight. Are you ready? Number one, it's God. It's the Lord. That is my number one priority tonight. If you put anything or anybody above that priority right there, your priorities is out of whack. Number one, y'all understand that out of whack, don't you? Number one, it's God. Number two priority in my life is Leslie. Are you with me? It's Leslie. It's not my children because before I had my children, I had my wife. And that's the reason a lot of marriages get in trouble. They put their children in front of each other. And before you had your children, you had your spouse. You say, I don't have my children but a certain amount of time. It doesn't matter. Hey, God put your spouse there. Number one, it's God. Number two, it's my wife. Number three, it's my children. Number three, see, I hadn't even called none of y'all yet. Are y'all disappointed in me? It's God. It's my wife. It's my children. Then it's the ministry. Then it's the ministry. I have made the mistake in days gone by. I have made the mistake in days gone by of allowing the ministry to come in front of my children and in front of my spouse. And can I tell you something? I'm wrong in doing that. I'm wrong. Brother Kevin Broyhill has helped me as much with things like that as anybody in recent days. 
And he told me, he said, Preacher, here's what you have to do. He said, and I keep a calendar, I keep a planner, and, and I used to handwrite it all, but I keep it all digital now, and he's the one that actually got me switched to that. But anyway, he said that you take time in your evenings, and he said, you put in your calendar, you put in your planner, and here's what you write, family, and you section that time out. And he said, it don't matter who calls unless it's a life or death situation, you're busy during that time. He said, that way when a church member calls and says, I need to talk to you and say, I'm sorry, something's already on my calendar. He said, you're not lying to them. You've got your family on your calendar. Your priorities has got to be right. If you're going to overcome discouragement, if you're going to, if you're going to over, you've got to keep your priorities right, man. You've got to keep your priorities right. I want to say something to you. I understand we have to work to make a living. I completely understand that. And there are several people in this room that has to work. Matter of fact, this past Sunday, Brother Aaron was working this past Sunday. And this past Wednesday, he had to work. Every third Wednesday and Sunday, he has to work. And I completely understand that. I am thankful for those in the paramedic field that if we have an emergency at our church, they're coming to help us. There's those in law enforcement. There's those uh, uh, in different areas of work that has to work on Sundays and Wednesdays at time. But if you just pick up an overtime shift just to make you more money on Sunday or Wednesday, you've got your priorities in the wrong place. And let me tell you what's going to end up happening. You're going to end up becoming discouraged because there's something you need and it's called the house of God. You say, why do I need the house of God? You need the house of God because of the people that's there and the fellowship that you enjoy. You need the house of God because of the presence of God. You need the house of God because of the preaching of the word of God. You need the house of God because of the praising that takes place down there. You need the house of God because of the praying that goes on there. You need the house of God. And when you get away from the house of God, you have just caused your priorities to get out of place. Preacher, I'm facing discouragement. What do I do? Well, you request God's help. Number two, you recognize or reorganize your priorities. Boy, priorities is so important to us. I, I, um, there's one thing that I absolutely love. I love helping people. I do. I love helping people. I love Brother Tim getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning and going to help somebody in their time of need. Ever since I was 16 years old, I've been involved in volunteer fire service. Still am to this day. And I absolutely love it. But you know what? I had to keep my priorities in check. Because that's not what God called me to do. God called me to pastor a church. And you have to keep those priorities. Amen. Reorganize. Number three, and I'll be done. Not only do we need to request God's help, we need to reorganize our priorities. But when we're facing discouragement... We need to remember who God is. Look what the Bible said in verse number 14. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, and uh, said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid. Nehemiah said, Hey, boys, don't be afraid. No, I know they're coming against us. I know the enemy is raging against us. And hear me and hear me well, the enemy will rage against us. The devil will come against us. You know what he said? Be not afraid. Listen to what he says. 
Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, uh, your wives, and your houses. Um, he's great and terrible, just simply put. That word terrible don't mean that he's bad. It means that he's awesome. Just simply put, that's what he's saying. Remember that he's great and remember that he is awesome. Preacher, I'm facing discouragement. Preacher, I'm facing a hard time. Preacher, what do I do? Well, request God's help. Reorganize your priorities, but remember who God is. You know what he said in Romans, don't you? Don't you remember what he said in Romans? Here's what he said. If God be for you, who can be against you? If God be for you, who can be against you? That little word if in the context right there means since. And here's what he's saying. Since God be for you, who can be against you? You know what? The devil and all of hell can rage against us tonight. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Remember who God is tonight. He's still the great I am. The great I am still is. He's still the one that created the heavens and the earth. He's still the one that created everything that we enjoy in six days. Are you hearing the preacher? I, I, um, I, I, man, our family loves to hike. We love to hike. And, and um, we love to go. Uh, one of our favorite things to do is to hike the different waterfalls. And um, we've already got a list made out um, starting here in just the next couple weeks of different ones that we're going to be going to. And, and uh, man, I love that time together and, and, and spending time together and enjoying God's creation. And matter of fact, when we was in Marion for the winter uh, youth jubilee with Foothills, we hiked up to one of Brother Mark and his wife, Miss Diane. And, and man, to see those just massive waterfalls and, and to think about God created all of that and, and just, hey look, just speaking it into existence. I love to hike and, and uh, Brother Denny was telling us about a place in Virginia that here in just the next week or so we're going to take a trip up there, a day trip up there and hike that and look at the beautiful rolling mountains. I, I'm not a huge fan of the ocean or the beach, or whatever you want to call it. I, I personally, I, I feel dirty the whole time I'm there. I feel salty the whole time I'm there. There's sand everywhere the whole time I'm there. And I, you say, well, man, there is nothing greater than laying in the sand and reading a book. Yes, there is laying in the recliner in the air condition uh, with a good cup of coffee is the best way I've ever read a book or sitting on the side of a mountain waiting on a great big bug to walk by. Uh, you can lay in the sun all you want to, all right? But it is interesting to see the ocean, to see how it only comes so far and stops until God decides to go and push it a little bit further. See how it only comes so far and stops. 
It's amazing to see how there is a high tide and a low tide and how God made that. It's amazing to study our universe and to see if we was any bit closer to the sun, we would burn up. And if we was any bit further away from the sun, that we would freeze to death. It is amazing to see the hand of God. And when we get discouraged, we need to remember that that is who we go to, that that is who we call on. Oh, it's amazing to think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into a fiery furnace. And when they looked inside, thinking that they would be consumed, one said, no, there's not three in there, there's four in there, and the fourth is likened unto the Son of God. And when they brought them out, the smell of smoke was not even upon their garments. It's amazing to study the story of Daniel, how he was thrown into a den of lions, not a lion's den a den of lions. In other words, it was a den that had lions in it and how no doubt God gave them lockjaw and Daniel came out and was just fine. It's amazing to study the life of Moses and how he was on the backside of a desert and all of a sudden there was a bush that was burning and not consumed and out of it came the voice of God. It is amazing to study the children of Israel as they marched around the walls of Jericho seven times and blowed the trumpets and the walls fell down that day. It is amazing to study how Paul and Silas sung in the midnight hours and the place was shaken. It is amazing to study the word of God in Revelations when he looked and behold the new Jerusalem was coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. It's amazing to study how Jonah was cast into the depths of the sea and died but God brought him back and gave the greatest revival that's ever been in the history of God's word. It's amazing to study that valley of dead dry bones but when the preacher preached they all came back together and come walking out. That is the God that I serve today. He said I am the Lord thy God and I change not. So when discouragement comes and doubt comes and despondency comes remember who God is we serve the same God today we serve the same God today Madeline come start playing softly I was talking to Brother Brian Cardwell yesterday Brother Steve Pope's been in revival at Calvary and Union Grove in the past two weeks they've had over 80 saved and on Monday night, Brother Cardwell was there. There was a 78-year-old man that didn't go to church from my understanding and had said that he wasn't going to church. He called his daughter earlier in the day on Monday. said, I think I need to go over to that church tonight where they're having revival. Will you take me? And she said, yes, I will. Brother Brian said the invitation started on Monday night and said that 78-year-old man stepped out with a cane in one hand and his daughter on the other hand, shuffling his feet where he was old and feeble and shuffled his way down to an altar with tears running down his face and bowed in an altar and asked God to forgive him of his sins and to come into his heart and save him. Oh, yes, remember who God is. 
Remember that time in your life when you was lost and on the road to hell. And it seemed that nobody cared. It seemed that nobody wanted nothing to do with you, but all of a sudden, the high sheriff of heaven came by your way and let you know that he loved you and he cared for you and he saved your hell-deserving soul. Remember back. I said this today. I said this in the home-going service of Miss Eva today. I'm about to get warmed up and preach for a while tonight. I said this in the home-going service of Miss Eva today. She was faithful. Miss Eva was faithful. The very first Sunday that I was ever here, the very first Sunday that I was ever here, I took Madeline. Madeline wasn't but about two or three years old, and I took Madeline to her Sunday school class, which is where the church office is at now. I took Madeline to her Sunday school class. I walked in, and there was about 10 or 12 places seated. The coloring pages was out. The crayons was out. The flannel graph was out. And I thought, man, they've got a bunch of kids at this church. I put Madeline in there. I walked off, come back in here, sat down and listened to probably Brother Scotty preach that Sunday morning. I went back to get Madeline after the, the Sunday school hour was over. Walked back into that class and guess how many kids was in that class? One. That was it. One kid. She set those tables up every Sunday morning with anticipation that somebody was coming in that class. Now that class has been split. And in that age group, there was about 13 or 14 between those two different age groups this past Sunday. You know what she said? She said, Preacher, I'm praying that God will fill this classroom one day. Can I say something to you? We have saw God fill that classroom. I remember when Miss Vicky first started coming to this church, uh, um, her son Elliot was one of the only kids that was here. It was him and Jake and Summer and, and Zeb, and that was it. And, and Elliot said, Preacher, I want some more kids at the church. And here's what I told him. I said, well, why don't you pray that God will send more kids to our church? I said, we're going to join together, and we're going to pray for God to do that. You know what? This past Sunday in Proteins, uh, there was about 22 or 23 teenagers in here. This past Sunday in Youth Church, uh, there was 27 in it, and there was 6 or 7 in the nursery. Over 50 here that was youth this past Sunday. You say, preacher, what are you saying? When discouragement comes and heartaches come and we feel like throwing in the towel and quitting, man, just remember who God is. Remember that day when a little snotty-nosed boys cut the back out of a church van seat and we brought him in and preached to him in an old block building and now he's saved he's a preacher, he's married we're ordained, well hallelujah remember who God is he's brought us too far to doubt him now he's brought us too far to get discouraged in this thing now request his help, reorganize your priorities and remember who he is Remember who some of you are here tonight because you was lost and we prayed that you'd get saved and now here you said Amen. Amen. Say, so, preacher, can God do it for me? Can God do it for my family? He's no respecter of person. I'll be preaching in places today and people walk up to me that I have no clue who they are. And they'll say this. Almost 30 years ago, your daddy came up to me one night and said, my boy's out in the world not living what he's supposed to live, doing what he's supposed to do. He's out of God's will. Will you pray for my boy? Will you pray for my boy? And they'll say, you're a reminder that God hears 
and answers prayers. Boy, there was a time right there, and I, I sure never dreamed that I would be where I'm at today. Oh, but God, who is rich in mercy, remember, remember, remember who God is.